Where's the word? Wait, where's the table? I know how ebooks work. There we go. 19. Haha. <laughs> I got it. Okay. <clears throat> I can do this. Mm. everyone and welcome to bookish babbles the podcast where we reread our favorite books and chat about them i'm your host allison and without further ado let's get started everyone and welcome to episode 43 of bookish babbles today we are talking about chapters 19 to 21 of mockingjay by suzanne collins and we're officially on part three the assassin it's the beginning of the end and i am not okay with it and it'll be end of the first series that we've read through on this podcast so that feels weird uh anyway we'll run a miss later um we still have some uh, devastating chapters ahead of us, so gotta go through that first. Don't know what that voice was. It's fine. Don't think about it. Um, so what have, what's been going on lately besides, you know, work, obviously? Uh, I got my tickets. Oh, text from my mother. Yes. Yes, I'll be home for dinner, Mom. <laughs> Uh, anyway, so I got my tickets to see uh, Quantumania. Uh, I'm worried about everyone. I, f- I finally finished watching Andor. It was incredible, as the internet keeps saying. Um, I also, um, I'm a little bit behind the trend, but my friend Sam got me to take the uh, Soldier Poet King quiz. Because if, if you've been on TikTok, you know the sound that's like, uh, There will come a soldier carries a mighty sword that one and everyone's trying to to determine if they're a soldier poet king and i thought for sure i was gonna be a poet but nope turns out i'm a king classic old oldest daughter stereotype when it comes to this quiz thinks i'm one thing nope i'm the king because i have to be responsible or whatever anyway uh what am i reading um well i finished what lies in the woods it was freaking incredible uh, reread Chain of Gold. Uh, amazing. I have my copy of Chain of Thorns. It's so beautiful. Um, but I haven't started reading it yet because I'm still rereading Chain of Iron. I think, did I talk about this last time? I can't remember. It's fine. Um, that's really it. Um, oh, I did read this graphic novel called Coven that I got from the, uh, library, like, by Jennifer Duggan and Kit, uh, Seaton. It's, it's what it sounds like it's about a teenage girl who uh is introduced to a cup to her coven that her family's a part of because they're all witches and if you love witchy graphic novels i recommend it uh anyway so enough rambling from me i guess let's just dive into the episode so last week finnick and annie got married uh katniss and joanna became roommates and they trained for war uh, Katniss, uh, passes. Joanna does not. Uh, Katniss, Finnick, and Gale are assigned to Squad 451, aka the Star Squad. Like, they're basically just going to be filming, uh, propos while in the field. And they are surprised to find that PETA has also been assigned to their squad, who is, um, not exactly mentally stable, to say the least. Then again, is anyone in this book? Uh, this week, uh, Squad 451 sets off multiple pods, which result in disaster. Uh, Katniss takes up a leadership position, and they have to journey through the sewers. Gross. So with all that being s- they have the words. So with all that being said, uh, let's dive into chapter 19. So, like I said, we are officially on part three, The Assassin. And how do you think I'm going to open this chapter? Say it with me now. With a reading. Yep, I know. Shocking. Who could have possibly guessed? (laughs) Certainly not me. I wasn't me. That that didn't make any sense. Just forget I said anything, guys. It's fun. 
Am I going to keep this in the episode? I don't know. We'll find out. We'll see how I'm feeling when I'm editing, which should be in approximately three or four hours because, of course, I'm doing it this, this at the last minute where I'm recording and editing on the same night because I'm you know, an organized mess. It's fine, everyone. It's fine. I've never really seen Boggs angry before, not when I disobeyed his orders or puked on him, not even when Gail broke his nose, but he's angry when he returns from his phone call with the president. The first thing he does is instruct Soldier Jackson, his second-in-command, to set up a two-person, round-the-clock guard on PETA. Then he takes me on a walk, weaving through the sprawling tent in encamp- the sprawling tent encampment until our squad is far behind us. He'll try to kill me anyway, I say, especially here where there are so many bad memories to set him off. I'll keep him contained, Katniss, says Boggs. Why does Coin want me dead now, I ask. She denies she does, he answers. But we know it's true, I say, and you must at least have a theory. Boggs gives gives me a long, hard look before he answers. Here's as much as I know. The president doesn't like you. She never did. It was Peta she wanted rescued from the arena, but no one else agreed. It made matters worse when you forced her to give the other victors immunity, but even that could be overlooked in view of how well you've performed. Then what is it, I insist? Sometime in the near future, this war will be resolved. A new leader will be chosen, says Boggs. I roll my eyes. Boggs, no one thinks I'm going to be the leader. No, they don't, he agrees. But you'll throw support to someone. Would it be President Coyne or someone else? I don't know. I've never thought about it, I say. If your immediate answer isn't coin, then you're a threat. You're the face of the rebellion. You may have more influence than any other single person, says Boggs. Outwardly, the most you've ever done is tolerate her. So she'll kill me to shut me up. The minute I say the words, I know they're true. She doesn't need you as a rallying point now. As she said, your primary objective to unite the districts has succeeded, Boggs reminds me. These current propos could be done without you. There's only one last thing you could do to add fire to the rebellion. Die, I say quietly. Yes, give us a martyr to fight for, says Boggs. But that's not going to ha- happen under my watch, Soldier Everdeen. I'm planning for you to have a long life. Why? This kind of thinking will only bring him trouble. You don't owe me anything. Because you've earned it, he says. Now get back to your squad. Okay, so little bit to unpack here. Um, first, I've said it once. I'll say it again. Boggs is the best. He's the best father figure Katniss has ever had since her, you know, actual dad died. I love you, Hamish. But it's true. Boggs is the better father. Um, Hamish is quite literally the loving drunk uncle. And poor Katniss doesn't know how to handle someone looking out for her that, like, genuinely cares for her. At least, I don't know, at least outside of an inner circle. I mean... And second, poor Peta, he he really is a pawn in this whole situation. Like, because you remember all the way back in book one when he said that what he wants more than anything is not to be a piece in their games? Like, because, you know, to hold on to some sense of self. Well, that goal kind of went out the window when Snow hijacked him. And not only uh, torturing him, but changed him so much mentally. He was so radically different from, you know, who he actually is. So... Yay, the capital did steal his identity and sense of self and woohoo <laughs> and made him a piece in their games because, you know, he was molded to be the perfect weapon to kill Katniss. Woo! <laughs> and then just as Peter starts to heal and get, you know, just a minuscule sense of self back, Coin throws him into an active war zone as part of her games. A major red flag from her. Because, again, she did this to try and kill Katniss. I mean, leave the poor boy alone, goddammit. And yeah, Coin is, she, she's the worst right now. Like, that's, that's the most important takeaway from this moment. And we're all still surprised that Katniss shoots her in the end. So anyway, well, let's just move on. Uh, we'll have plenty of time to talk about Coin as a character. I'm sure we'll have uh, plenty to say in the wrap-up episode. Okay, uh, so yeah. Uh, this is the biggest coin red flag so far. And truly starting to show her colors. <laughs> and and how, like, you know, she's not exactly the righteous leader of the rebellion we wanted her to be. Or that she hoped 
or that she, you know, tried to show us. Anyway, um, where were we? Okay, right. Box telling Katniss to go back to her squad. Katniss is having uh, complicated feelings because it makes it harder to steal from Boggs after, you know, he's being that good to her. Uh, Katniss asks Jackson when her watch is. Uh, Jackson isn't convinced that Katniss could handle it, that she wouldn't be able to shoot PETA if she had to, which I agree with, by the way. Um, but Katniss, being Katniss, insists that she can and says, and I quote, I wouldn't be shooting PETA. He's gone. Joanna's right. It'd be just like shooting another of the Capitol's mutts. Harsh much? Like, Katniss, girl, I love you. I know you're going through a lot. But yikes. Don't worry, guys. She'll get called out on it soon. Uh, Boggs tells her, uh, to, tells Jackson to put Katniss on the watch schedule, despite Jackson, me, and probably quite a few others strongly disagreeing, but at least, um, she's not assigned to do it alone, and clearly needs something to do. At dinner time, Gail offers to kill Peta for Katniss, which I know is his just weird way of trying to help, but it's pretty, it's a pretty tone-deaf way I was trying to help, to say the very least. Like, dude, that's that's what, like, 50 dings on the Gail red flag counter. Like, moving on. Uh, so Gail sort of not really makes up for it by offering to go with Katniss, because, of course, he knows she's getting ready to take off. They've been hunting together for years. Uh, they can basically read each other without speaking. Um, dinner is also tense because uh, people are rightfully pissed at Katniss for treating Peta so coldly. And Katniss gets a phone call from Hamish, who tells her what I think we're all thinking in that moment. Uh, well, all of us except Gail, and you, you know how it goes. I'll read it. So Hamish says to Katniss on the phone, what are, try what are you trying to do? Provoke him into an attack, he asked me. Of course not. I just want him to leave me alone, I say. Well, he can't. Not after what the Capitol put him through, says Hamish. Look, Coin may have sent him there hoping he'd kill you, but Peter doesn't know that. He doesn't understand what's happening to him, so you can't blame him. I don't, I say. You do. You're punishing him over and over for things that are out of his control. I'm not saying you shouldn't have a fully loaded weapon next to you around the clock, but... I think it's time you flip this little scenario around in your head. If you'd been taken by the Capitol and hijacked and then tried to kill Peta, is this the way he would be treating you, demands Hamish? I fall silent. It isn't. It isn't how he would be treating me at all. He would be trying to get me back at any cost. No shutting me out, abandoning me, greeting me with hostility at every turn. You and me, we made a deal to try and save him. Remember? Hamish says. When I don't respond, he disconnects after a curt, try and remember. So yeah, um, Hamish essentially summing up what I was trying to say earlier. Um, Peta being an unwilling pawn in Coin's game. He, poor guy, doesn't understand what's going on. <sighs> anyway, uh, later that night, League One finally breaks down over her sister's death because, you know, that happened last time, let us not forget. Um, and Katniss has a good moment of self-awareness. She thinks over what Hamish had said to her about how she's treating Peta, and she realizes on some level, at least, that part of the reason she's so fixated on killing Snow is because it's easier to think about than interacting with Peta. And in her own words, she puts it, <clears throat> Realizing with shame that my fixation with assassinating Snow has allowed me to ignore a much more difficult problem, trying to rescue Peta from the shadowy world the hijacking has stranded him in. I don't know how to find him, let alone lead him out. I can't even conceive of a plan. It makes the task of crossing a loaded ar arena, locating snow, and putting a bullet through his head look like child's play. All right, excuse me while I go crying in the corner. Anyway, so at midnight, uh, Katniss wakes up for her watch with Jackson and Peta also not sleeping. He's making knots with a short rope, much like how Katniss did with Finnick when they were in the bunker during the air raid. 
And the first thing he says to her is like, wow, the last few years must have been so exhausting deciding whether or not to kill me. And Katniss is like, well, to be fair, it was only that one time because I thought you were trying uh, to kill me when you, you know, you allied with the careers. And ever since then, uh, we've been allies. And Peta adds that word to the list of t- words he's using to try and figure Katniss out. Because, you know, everything's confusing and he doesn't know what's real anymore. Uh, so then Finnick uh, reveals, surprise, he's awake. And tells Peta to ask. Because it's what Annie does when she's confused about her own sense of reality. And, you know, Jackson reminds Peta that he can trust them since they're his squad. And he did help save a ton of lives in 13. And it's not something they forget. So Peta starts to open up to the squad a little bit. And he also remembers that Katniss's favorite color is green. And she reminds him that Sunset Orange is his favorite. Ugh. I know I'm an insufferable Everlark shipper, guys. But this is what you signed up for when you listen to this podcast. <laughs> anyway, uh, then it uh, semi-opens the floodgates for Katniss. Um, she goes on telling Peta things that she knows about him that... He's a painter, a baker, that he likes to sleep with the windows open, never take sugar in his tea, which I think is is his only flaw so far. Um, And he double knots his shoelaces, which I hope everyone does, by the way. Like, how how can you not double knot your shoelaces? Like, how close to living dangerous are you? But also, I love this moment so much because there's this collective idea, I feel like, majority of the fandom especially if you've only seen the movies have that Peta loves Katniss way more than Katniss loves him that she doesn't pay as close attention to him as he does to her well I mean this show she does pay attention to him like they may seem like meaningless facts but these are just intimate details like you only would know about someone if you spent a significant amount of time together like no one exactly goes around saying like, hey, fun fact about me, I like to sleep with the windows open. So it it's the kind of detail that like couples or people who live together pick up on. And it's such a sweet but such a real moment and I love it so much. Um, Anyway, after she tells Peta all this, Katniss retreats to her tent before she can cry. Aww. So the next morning, uh, Katniss, Gale, and Finnick are filmed um, shooting stuff like, you know, glass off buildings. And this is and this is around the time that Jackson officially, you know, coins the game real or not real, which pretty straightforward. Pete asks about something and someone tells him if the thing he's remembering is real or not real, uh, followed by a brief explanation, which is really amazing that Pete does putting faith into the people around him, you know, some he barely knows. Excuse me. Because after the insane amount of trauma he went through, you know, where a sense of reality was completely messed up and, you know, trust issues must have gone through the roof. Um, So it would be understandable if he never really opened up or trusted anyone ever again. But here he is, playing real or not real, where he basically has to rely on others. And we also get a glimpse of how the game is going. And this this moment hurts me because Peta asked, like, you know, uh, most of the people died in 12 in a fire, which we know, of course, is real. Less than 900 made it out alive. And then Peta asked if the fire was his fault, which not real, not real, thousand times not real, million times not your fault, Peta. 2,000% Snow's fault. Again, his reaction to property damage was genocide. Um, cause like, what the fuck did they tell Peta while torturing him? My god. This is awful. Like, I know ever I know people have said they want, like, uh, a book from Peta's point of view. Like, they want Mockingjay from Peta's point of view. Which would be interesting to see what was going on behind the scenes in the Capitol during this time. But I, I don't know if I want to. Cause, guys, that, I feel like that would just be too much. Like, it's bad enough having to hear about the, about what he went through in the Capitol through Katniss's point of view. I don't think I want to experience it through his eyes. But anyway, um, where was I? So, uh, at first, uh, Katniss is happy that the game is going well. But then she quickly realizes that 
she's the only one in the group who can answer the questions that are likely most weighing on his mind. Uh, Jackson organizes the watches in a way where Katniss, Finnick, and Gale will always be paired with a soldier from 13. That way, Peta will always be able to talk to someone who knows him more personally. Uh, Gale fills him in on a lot of stuff about 12. Finnick answers questions about his game since Finnick was, you know, in the quarter quell with him, obviously. And he was a mentor for the 74th games, you know, when the Barry incident happened. Uh, conversations between him and Katniss, not so simple, because, you know, much more loaded, and they kind of stick to superficial details, like the color of her dresses, cheese buns, uh, the names of the teachers they had in school, and the next afternoon they have to stage a little bit of a more complicated propo, because Plutarch and Coin aren't a big fan of what they've been doing, since they're kind of just shooting stuff, nothing too exciting, So that day, they shoot in an empty, ultimately unimportant residential block where there are a few active pods, like, you know, one that sets off gunfire. Um, The film crew is going to, you know, release some smoke bombs, add gunshot sound effects to add a sense of danger to the footage. Um, Boggs gives uh, PETA a gun to hold for the cameras, though it's loaded with blanks. He makes sure to let the group know about that. Uh, Peter says it won't matter since he's not much of a shot anyway. And this is when he realizes that Pollux is an AVOX. Um, he could tell by the way he swallows. And this is when also Peter tells everyone that he watched Darius and Lavinia be tortured to death. And they, and that, you know, they made awful, like, animal-like sounds since they have no tongues. Though, Lavinia was lucky because, um, they used, uh, too much voltage on her, so she got a quick death and... Darius, unfortunately, was tortured for days before dying, and they kept asking him questions he obviously couldn't answer. And but th- that was all just to make Peter watch, not because Darius knew any rebel secrets. Big war crime, bi- bi- not not just a war crime, but crime against humanity. Like uh, poor Darius, he did not deserve any of that. Again. I don't want to watch that scene through Peter's eyes because that's too awful. Okay, so anyway. Okay, Boggs confirms that the memory is real to the best of his knowledge. Um, Peter says he thought so because there was nothing shiny about it. Um, we'll get an explanation about that later. Uh, Katniss goes over to Gale and the two of them mourn the loss of Darius, who was their, you know, peacekeeper sort of friend and... They now officially know Lavinia's name, you know, the girl they saw get taken to the capital, and who was Katniss's servant while she was in the tribute center, and both times she was a tribute, and also a kind of friend. Anyway, so they move on, and play act being in a fight for the propo. Turns out Katniss is not the worst actress ever. Turns out Mitchell is worse, because, like, his attempts to look distressed make everyone laugh. And hold on, there is, like, a paragraph left of this chapter. So, uh, dun, 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 dun. So, pull, so it starts with Bog saying, pull it together, 451, he says firmly, but you can see him suppressing a smile as he's double-checking the next pod, positioning the hollow to find the best light in the smoky air, still facing us as his left foot steps back onto the orange paving stone, triggering the bomb that blows off his legs. Yeah, that happens. That's just how the chapter ends, so... Uh, break time for us. And we're back and we're kicking off all the devastating deaths that we see in this book. Why, Bugs, why? You are too good for this world. Uh, Katniss reaches Bugs first and I won't go into too much detail about his injuries because... One, I have a weak stomach, but let's just say he's uh, missing his legs. Um, And basically, he's lost so much blood to the point where Katniss knows that uh, there's nothing that can be done for him. So she's ready to sit by his side and be there for him as he dies, like she did for Rue and the woman from Six in the quarter quell. But 
Box is being proactive and trying to help even as he's dying. Because again, he's the best. Um, He passes primary security clearance to Katniss, not to Jackson, his second in command, which is huge because like, yeah, yeah, Katniss is a celebrity victor, but she's barely a trained soldier. But he really does trust her and he has belief in her. Ugh. Oh, and uh, by the way, some black uh, gooey stuff is coming at them. The result of another pod. Uh, don't know what it's made of exactly, but, you know, best to avoid it, probably. So, Gale and uh, League One use uh, gunfire to create a path for them. Holmes and uh, Katniss pick up Boggs and try to start carrying him to safety. And then another thing goes wrong. Pete has been triggered into an episode and, and and tries attacking Katniss. Yay. So, Mitchell steps in, tackles Pete, attempting to, you know, get control over him, but... Despite all the torture, Pete is still quite physically strong, um, manages to launch Mitchell further down the block that sets off another pod. Oh my god. And poor Mitchell is trapped in an in in a net that, you know, injures him so badly because it, it's made out of barbed wires. He's already extremely bloody. And uh I told you guys I'm weak when it comes to blood. Okay, um Castor and uh Pollux manage to haul Peta inside uh jackson manages to get the cuffs on him and they lock him in a closet uh the black liquid also releases some kind of fumes likely very toxic because you know what isn't toxic in the capital um also absolutely no hope of helping mitchell so r.i.p mitchell officially second member of star squad to fall and then and then as his final act um Boggs puts the hollow into Katniss's hands and tells her, don't trust them, don't go back. I have junk mail. Um, don't trust them, don't go back. Kill Peta, do what you came to do. And then he dies. R.I.P. Boggs. And now three members of Star Squad are dead. And they barely started the mission. Also, for the record, I agree with the first two things you said, Boggs. Um, third thing, highly, highly disagree with. I don't care how practical you think it is, but just no. Um, as for the last thing, I agree and disagree at the same time, because I'm all for supporting Katniss's journey to killing Snow, but knowing how it turns out, not sure if it's worth it. Well, at least we at least we know for sure that Boggs was a hundred percent on Katniss's side. Also, um I think I mentioned this channel before. She doesn't make videos anymore, but the YouTube channel, uh Story Diver, she did a lot of Hunger Games videos, and those are really good. I, like, binge-watched them a couple years ago when she was actively making them. Um, but one of... And um, she mentioned this one, uh, like, what-if scenario, what she think thinks would have happened if, um, while they were in the quarter quell, uh, Peta was the one who, re- who was rescued and Katniss was taken by the Capitol and hijacked. Um, basically, the scenario ends with, uh, because Peta would be in charge and he... he it would would be in charge of being the figurehead of the rebellion or the face of the rebellion sorry um he would he would have been like let's go back he wouldn't have come up with Katniss's plan and everyone would have gone back and people would have lived I'll find the video and link it in the show notes below because I'm explaining it horribly but anyway uh but you know no time to stop and mourn uh bogs uh because uh don't forget they did set off a whole street full of pods and uh, there were definitely uh, surveillance cameras, so definitely caught the attention of someone they don't want to have the attention of. Uh, plus, their cura- c- radio. radio communicators went down, likely the result of a pod or similar device. And Jackson tells Jackson and Katniss, uh, get into a little bit of a witty-bitty argument. I, that was a weird noise. Because um, uh, Jackson's like, okay, need to get back to base. I know how to. Give me the hollow, Katniss. Which, it makes sense. She's second in command, after all. In any normal circumstance, uh, leadership would fall to her next. (laughs) But these are not normal normal circumstances. And Katniss Everdeen is famous for not following orders or doing what's expected. Katniss is like, uh, no. Boggs gave it to me, so I'm keeping it. And Holmes backs her up since he saw Boggs transfer primary clearance to her. So Katniss, on the spot, makes the story that she's on a special mission assigned to her by President Coyne to assassinate President Snow. 
Jackson rightfully doesn't buy this. Um, you know, she she's aware of how uh, much Coin doesn't like Katniss, and the conversation uh, escalates, so to say. Guns are pointed, half on Jackson's side, half on Katniss's. In the end, Cressida is the hero of the day. I love her. She's an underrated queen. Uh, she backs Katniss up, knowing uh, full well that her story is bullshit. Um, but Cressida tells Jackson that, you know, no, Plutarch wants to get footage of the Mockingjay assassinating President Snow, airing it on TV to end the war faster. And for a second, the lie seems plausible until Jackson asks, you know, why in the world would then would Coin send PETA into the field with them? After all, he's not exactly in the best condition for a stealth mission. And once again, Cressida saves the day. She says that PETA is the most familiar with the interior of Snow's mansion, so he can provide them with the best intel of the place. Uh, Gail reminds everyone uh, they don't have time. Uh, He's with Katniss either way. And if anyone wants to turn back, now's the time. No one does. And they also unfortunately have to leave Box behind. Um, But, you know, you would understand, as Finnick points out. Uh, Katniss gets uh, Jackson to help her with the hollow uh, by using the power of guilt tripping, uh, you know, saying Boggs that said, like, you know, he said, I could count on you, Jackson. And they'll blow Katniss, but unfortunately necessary. Uh, they determined that the best way to get out is to go the way they came in. Uh, Black Gustav probably triggered and absorbed other pods and probably disabled the cameras. So, but they still have to put on gas masks because toxic fumes. Uh, Finnick also carries in unconscious uh, PETA. Oh yeah, they had to, you know, sedate him because, you know, his episode was still going on and and uh, at least the goo uh, didn't leave any of their footprints behind, so wouldn't give them away too much. Uh, they travel a few blocks and end up hiding out in an, in an apartment building, uh, thankfully evacuated. Uh, the apartment they hide in out in um whoever been there had you know clearly been in a rush when they were leaving left the lights on door open kind of like that one time um my uh, grandmother ran out of her house with only her keys leaving behind her purse uh door open tv on and just probably ran every red light because uh, my father forgot to uh pick me up from school when i was in kindergarten but that's a story for another day anyway um where was I? So uh, Katniss, um, she starts uh, spiraling a little bit, uh, wondering how she's going to lead everyone, especially with Peta. And Loki wishes it could just be her, Finnick, and Gale. And she even considers just, you know, coming clean to Jackson before, you know, realizing they'd have to go back to camp and she'd eventually have to answer to coin. And no one wants that, especially after what Bog said. Uh, Katniss's thoughts are... Also cut off by a series of explosions they hear, but Jackson assures everyone that it's not close to them and that um the and then the television suddenly turns on and they panic, but Cressida's like, Oh no no, it's cool. Uh don't need to panic because um it's an emergency broadcast that every TV in the city automatically turns on when that happens. And the broadcast naturally shows uh the Star Squad appearing to die, uh voiceover and everything. Uh, even give a little tribute to the Fallen, like how it's done in the Hunger Games with their pictures and their names showing. So, again, uh, I don't know what everyone was talking about when we all saw Andor Red Mockingjay and they are like, it's boring, there's no Hunger Games. Like, th- this is what it is, guys. It's right here. It's spelled out right here in front of us. Anyway, um, on the bright side, uh, they're now dead and no one will be looking for them. On the not-so-bright side, that means their families will see the footage and think that they're dead, too. The fact and, and the fact that the Rebels don't even try to interrupt the broadcast is evidence to Katniss that they really do think they're dead. So, kind of on their own. And um, to make the mood even better, <laughs> I'm going to just read the last paragraph for you guys. So, literally, like, the last, like, half page, it starts with Gail saying, So now that we're dead, what's our next move? asked Gail. Isn't it obvious? No one even knew Peta had regained consciousness. I don't know how long he's been watching, but by the look of misery on his face, long enough to see what happened on the street, 
How he went mad, tried to bash my head in, and hurled Mitchell into the pod. He painfully pushes himself up to a sitting position and directs his words to Gail. Our next move is to kill me. Yeah, that's that that, that that's intense and dark, and I don't like it. I don't like this at all. Um, so it's break time. That, that lovely note. We'll, we'll unpack this when we get back. And we're back. Uh, I've collected myself. Mostly. I can do this. Okay. It's been a hot minute since I've done a more uh, lengthy reading. So... I'm going to read the conversation that happens at the beginning of this chapter. That makes two requests for Peter's death in less than an hour. Don't be ridiculous, says Jackson. I just murdered a member of our squad, shouts Peter. You pushed him off you. You couldn't have known he would trigger the net at that exact spot, says Finnick, trying to calm him. Who cares? He's dead, isn't he? Tears begin to run down Peter's face. I didn't know. I've never seen myself like that before. Canis is right. I'm the monster. I'm the mutt. I'm the one Snow has turned into a weapon. It's not your fault, Peter, says Finnick. You can't take me with you. It's only a matter of time before I kill someone else. Peter looks around at our conflicted faces. Baby think it's kinder to just dump me somewhere. Let me take my chances. But that's the same thing as handing me over to the capital. Do you think you'd be doing me a favor by sending me back to Snow? Peta, back in Snow's hands, tortured and tormented until no bits of his former self will ever, ever emerge again. For some reason, the last stanza to the hanging tree starts running through my head, the one where the man wants his lover dead rather than have her face the evil that awaits her in the world. Are you, are you, coming to the tree? Wear a necklace of rope side by side with me. Strange things did happen here, no stranger would it be, if we met up at midnight in the hanging tree. Hey, really a intense dilemma. Very dark and... Can't help, almost can't help but wonder like what you could would do in this situation. I'm sure you could have many philosophical debates about this scene, as you can with many scenes in The Hunger Games, but I don't feel like having it because it's too dark and sad. And uh, also the interpretation of the song is a bit off because we know Billy was selfish and possessive of Lucy Gray and was like, well, if I can't have you, you're dying alongside me. Billy doesn't talk like that, I'm pretty sure, but that's what came out of my mouth just now. Uh, speaking of terrible guys, uh, Gail offers to kill Peta again, and like, calm down, dude. It hasn't even been like ten pages later. Why are you so eager to kill Peta like that? Jesus Christ. Anyway, uh, Peta requests a nightlock pill in case, um, no one can kill him before he gets captured again, because Coin didn't give him one, probably worried that he'll, you know, take it before having a chance to kill Katniss. You know, no concern at all if Peta gets kidnapped and taken back to his abusers again. You know, killing Katniss, much more important. Anyway, I'm going to keep reading because there's a passage afterward that is, uh, that, that it's too good, it's too good not to read. It's unclear if Peta means he finished himself off now to spare us having to murder him, or only if the capital took him prisoner again. In the state he's in, I expect it would be sooner rather than later. It would certainly make things easier on the rest of us, not to have to shoot him. It would certainly simplify the problem of dealing with his homicidal episodes. I don't know if it's the pods or the fear or watching Boggs die, but I feel the arena all around me. It's as if I'd never left, really. Once again, I'm battling not only for my own survival, but for Peta's as well. How satisfying, how entertaining it would be for Snow to have to kill him. To have me kill him. To have Peta's death on my conscience for whatever is left of my life. It's not about you, I say. We're on a mission, and you're necessary to it. I look at the, to the rest of the group. I think we might find, think we might find some food here. I got chills reading that. Particularly the line about, you know, the arena being all around her. Uh, PTSD sucks. Anyway, uh, after that, they go through the supplies they have. Um, all they have are the cameras, 
medical kit, uniforms, their weapons. So half the group has to go looking for food and others stay to watch PETA. Um, Asal is the best person in finding food because he apparently had lived in an apartment that was a nearly a replica of this one. So he knew all the places where food could be stored slash hidden. And as a result, they're able to find about 30 canned goods and uh, boxes of cookies. The soldiers from 13 are horrified and disgusted by all the hoarding since such a thing is very illegal in 13. Whereas, you know, in the capital, you'd be stupid not to, because we saw young uh, Coriolanus's flashbacks in Ballad. You know, if you didn't store food, you pretty much just went hungry. And this is the perfect, like, it's a really good example of just the different ideologies of the capital in 13. Because in 13, they're all about working together, being efficient, making sure everyone has something to eat. And in the capital, it's all about, you know, excess and individualism. Um, and both are taken to the extreme, obviously. And I have heard of analysis, 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 comparing um, thirteen to communist Russia, but I'm not qualified to talk about that in depth. So uh, go, go seek that out yourselves. Um, I mean, both sides uh, clearly are not like noble good guys or whatever, and I suppose this could be seen as a reading of how uh, extreme communism and, you know, extreme capitalism are not the way to go. That's something more in the middle would be more ideal. Anyway, so as much as the people from 13 hate the food hoarding, Gail points out, practical as ever, lucky since they have dinner now. And as they sort through the food, uh, Peta hands Katniss a can that's labeled lamb stew. A reference to how, during their first games, Katniss mentioned how the lamb stew was her favorite thing to eat in the capital, and part of the feast that they had in the cave. It's unclear if Peta handed her that specific can by coincidence, or if he actually remembered that detail. Either way. Ah! And uh, as the group eats some cookies when the broadcast comes on then, and Snow makes a speech to, to the nation. You know, he goes on about how Katniss is dead. Nothing special. She's not a real leader. Just a random person picked from the masses. Blah, 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 blah. Bullshit, bullshit, bullshit. Uh, you know, she was apparently special enough to remind you of your ex, Corio. Enough to drive you crazy. Anyway, so then uh, BD interrupts the broadcast. And then Coin is there giving her speech. She introduces herself as the leader of the rebellion. She says, you know, dead or alive, Katniss is the face of this rebellion. We will fight in her name, honoring her, all that good stuff. And Katniss says in the most sarcastic way possible, huh, I had no idea how much I meant to her. Only Gail seems to find it funny. So on some level, Gail, do you recognize that coin's a problem since she hates uh, someone you supposedly love and care about? Whatever. I'm still going to count it as a ding on the Gale red flag. Uh, did I forget? Wait, I think I forgot to say there was a ding on the Gale red flag counter for when he offered to kill Pete a second time. Oh, well, I'll add you more. But anyway. So anyway, after the little tribute to Katniss, uh, BD gives control back to Snow, who, you know, he's still, you know, poised looking in control, but he's definitely pissed. And Katniss and all of us are sure that someone's going to die as a result. Seriously, I can't imagine how afraid everyone in the capital is now of snow ever since, you know, PETA uh, spilled the tea or the poison, to say the least. Anyway, so then uh, Snow declares that the next day they will pull Katniss's body from the ashes of the building and the group realizes, okay, we have limited time now. Since, you know, they'll discover that there are no bodies and they'll be like, oh, shoot, they're alive and start hunting them again. So Katniss decides that they should get a head start, though... Uh, looking at the hollow, it's clear that even uh, an even like more dense amount of pods are laying ahead, and those are just the ones they know about. Since um, and it becomes clear that traveling above ground would almost be impossible, so they have to go underground, which of course Katniss hates the idea of because you know past drama, as we've well established. But at least they'll be able to access the sewers from the apartment building. So the group cleans up the place as best they can. 
uh, make it look like they weren't there. PETA throws a bit of a hissy fit, refusing to go, though uh, Jackson makes it clear that PETA's uh, coming with them, you know, conscious or not, and I can't help but think of that one scene in Wakanda forever when um, Okoye and Sherry are telling Riri, okay, you gotta come to Wakanda with us, and uh, Riri's holding up her speaker or whatever, and it's like, oh, hell no. <laughs> Okoye's like, uh, small, small girl, you can come to, uh, that's a terrible accent, I'm gonna stop trying. Uh, Okoye's like, you can come to Wakanda conscious or unconscious. <laughs> I love that scene so much. And I love all three of those characters so much. Anyway, um, actually, I pretty much love all the characters in Wakanda forever. But anyway, the, moving on. Uh, what were we talking about? Where was I? All right. Uh, they tell Peta, you're, you're coming with us whether you like it or not. <laughs> also, quick reading here. Um, Peta's like, uh, stop being noble. I don't care if I die. He turns to me, pleading now. Katniss, please, don't you see? I want to, don't you see I want to be out of this? The trouble is, I do see it. Why can't I just let him go? Slip him a pill, pull the trigger? Is it because I care too much about PETA or too much about letting Snow win? Have I turned him into into a piece in my private game? That's dis- That's despicable. But I'm not sure it's beneath me. If it's true, it would be a kindness to kill PETA here and now. But for better or worse, I am not motivated by kindness. Uh, yes, Katniss, right. You're not motivated by kindness. You're motivated, you're motivated by love. And you have the audacity to be selfish enough to want PETA to live. So yes, <laughs> truly a terrible person you are. Obviously, I'm being sarcastic here, guys. Anyway, um, when they find uh, the passage uh, way down to the sewers, um, Pollux and Castor have to leave behind their, you know, insect shell camera thing since since um, they won't fit through the doors. Um, thankfully, they have, like, smaller backup cameras. Uh, Pollux is also having a panic attack because, you know, he, if, you know, his life isn't tragic enough. Um, after Pollux had become an AVOX, he worked down in the sewers for five years never seeing the sun once. Yowza. Uh, only reason he got free was because Castor managed to buy his brother's freedom. And then, um, then the old PETA that we all know and love pops his head up, uh, makes a brief appearance, guys. PETA, um, he comforts Pollux by telling him that he is now the most valuable person they have on their squad. He'll know the tunnels better than anyone. And, you know, and it, it makes Pollux feel a little better. So, yay, old PETA. And uh, compared to their uh, above-ground travel, they make excellent time. And when they finally rest, Jackson, you know, works out the guard schedule. Katniss is woken up for the last one at 6 o'clock. You know, they got an hour before they need to leave. And poor Pollux has been awake all night because, you know, can't sleep down there. Understandable reasons because, you know, PTSD hitting him very hard right now. Um, the two of them uh, play around with the hollow a bit, Katniss getting more familiar with how it works, and at some point she realizes that Peta is awake and they have a sweet moment. Like, Katniss gets him to eat some chicken and rice soup. Um, we get an explanation of what Peta meant by the shiny memories. Basically, like, you know, the fake, the memories that he's pretty sure were fake or tampered with have a quality where they seem kind of shiny, whereas the real memories are not so much and it makes sense because when Katniss was done with the tracker jacker venom she was seeing all kinds of weird things that felt in a way like shiny quote-unquote to her um because pretty sure she saw like goo exploding from a tree or something at some point when um, she was high on tracker jacker in the games And, you know, there's just a little bit left of the chapter, so I'm gonna read it. If I can find it. Well, that's good, I ask. Um, If you can separate the two, then you can figure out what's true. Yes, and if I I could grow wings, I could fly. Only people can't grow wings, he says. Real or not real? Real, I say. But people don't need wings to survive. Mockingjays do. He finishes the soup and returns the can to me. 
In the fluorescent light, the circles under his eyes look like bruises. There's still time. You should sleep. Unresisting, he lies back down, but just stares at the needle on one of the dials as it as it twitches from side to side. Slowly, as I would with a wounded animal, my hand stretches out and brushes a wave of hair from his forehead. He freezes at my touch, but doesn't recoil, so I continue to gently smooth back his hair. It's the first time I have voluntarily touched him since the last arena. You're still trying to protect me. Real or not real, he whispers. Real, I answer. It seems to require more explanation. Because that's what you and I do. Protect each other. After a minute or so, he drifts off to sleep. Shortly before seven, Pollux and I, and I move among the others, rousing them. There are the usual yawns and sighs that accompany waking, but my ears are picking up something else too, almost like a hissing. Perhaps it's only steam escaping a pipe or the far-off whoosh of one of the trains. I hush the group to get a better read on it. There's a hissing, yes, but it's not one extended sound. More like multiple ex exhalations that form words, a single word, echoing throughout the tunnels. One word, one name, repeated over and over again. Katniss. And on that incredibly creepy note, uh, that's the end of the chapter. Um, end of the episode. Um, I know what's coming next week and I am not okay with it. What? Why, Suzanne? Why? Anyway. Um, thank you guys so much for listening and putting up with me and my chaos. Uh, you you guys know the drill. All the socials are linked in the show notes. Oh, oh, and then link the Story Diver video, Allison, in editing. Don't forget. And, you know, if you like, if you like what you hear, uh, subscribe, like, leave reviews, all that good stuff. That way, you know, uh, more people can find the podcast, especially if you're listening on Apple Podcasts. Uh, if you leave a review that has a five-star rating i will read it aloud on the podcast that's always an open invitation and next week um we're going to of course talk about uh 22 to 24 and dang it we're getting way too close to the end for my liking okay um i'm saying i'm saying good night now i'm bad at ending these episodes okay uh, thank you all so much for listening. I really appreciate it. Hope y'all have a, day, a great day slash night and I'll talk to you next time.